Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. I, I have to tell everybody I had the coolest moment on Sunday. So I looked up into the balcony, and your whole family was there, Upton party of four. Yeah. And that's the first time that I have seen everybody together. And uh, then I got to meet your your youngest uh, after the service, and it was such a cool experience. So tell us about the journey of being a father of two and a party of four. How's that going for you? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, thank God Thomas is doing really well, our youngest, and uh, Isaac, our oldest, is a really good, loving brother, and He's adapted really well to n- not having all the attention all the time, um, but we are having to figure out uh, uh, splitting responsibilities, uh, you know, in public events. So, you know, during the service, you kind of saw us like, you know, trading kids back and forth, you know, comforting uh-huh. and playing with crayons. And, uh-huh. um, but we're we're figuring it out. You know, it's uh, it's it's a good life. Um, we're very thankful that God's uh, blessed us with these two boys. So. Well, they're precious. They're absolutely precious. And it's so neat to see them together. And you and Taylor make such great parents. So thanks for letting me meet Thomas. That was that was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, I have a Star Wars joke for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what did King Darius say when he realized that the Satraps were out to get Daniel? I don't know. It's a Satrap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> that's, man. Look at you. Yeah. I thought of that myself. It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of Satraps, uh, we looked at the story of Daniel and the lion's den. So the scripture is from the entirety of chapter six of the book of Daniel, but I'm just going to summarize it. So King Darius of the Medo-Persian Empire conquered Babylon. So as he restructured the government of his kingdom, he promoted Daniel, who was one of the Judean exiles from uh, Judah and Israel. He promoted him to one of the highest roles in the kingdom, quote, because an excellent spirit was in him. The satraps under Daniel really resented that, and through some flattery and some legal stuff, they were able to get Darius to pass a law forbidding the worship of anyone but King Darius. Daniel, though, was unfazed and continued to pray out his open window toward Jerusalem. He was arrested, and despite Darius's best efforts, Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. Now, the next morning, though, Daniel was found unharmed, so Darius had him removed from there, and he threw in the rebel satraps and their families into the lion's den. And then Darius praised God. So it was a, it was a lot. It's a lot packed into one, one chapter. You know, it really is. And it's one of those stories that becomes iconic because it's one of those miraculous stories where you learn it in Sunday school. I mean, we teach our kids. We taught our kids the story of Daniel and the Lions Den at BBS just a couple of weeks ago. And it's one of those paradigm-shaping stories in which you see God overcome natural order. And so clearly the lions were, were ravenous. Uh, because those who were thrown in after Daniel were destroyed before they even reached the bottom of the pit. So God must have intervened, and God did intervene in a way that spared Daniel's life and that glorified God. And so here you have this pagan king praising the God of Daniel. 
And that's the way that it's supposed to work. You know, we ought to live our lives in such a way that that even those who don't yet know our God um, would magnify his name because of the way that we live. And so what a wonderful story. What a wonderful uh, episode in the life of Daniel, but an episode in the Old Testament in which God magnified his glory through the faithfulness of one of his people. And uh, just a beautiful thing. It is. So I wanted to get a little bit deeper than the 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 Sunday school telling, if you will. Sure. So so the story is pretty straightforward, but as as you were talking about it during the sermon, I really wanted to ask some questions today that got a little bit under the surface in this story. So connecting the story of Daniel in the lion's den with other passages in the Bible and trying to draw out the big themes that God would have us take from this story. Sure. So the first thing that popped up in my mind, and you referenced it during the sermon, is that Daniel's story has some parallels with Joseph's story. Yeah. And and when you sit back and think about it, like there's just so many parallels. So it, just looking at what I came up with, they were both Israelites who could interpret dreams. Mm-hmm. Both were thrown into pits. Uh, both ended up serving as servants or slaves in a foreign nation, but they received a new name, and then they rose to the right hand of a king. So... What can we draw just just from Joseph, just looking at Joseph here? So what are the themes of both of these stories that uh, we can take into today? Well, and the, the thing that, that really struck me as I was thinking about the sermon this week is, is that very truth that Daniel and Joseph were so similar. And what you see is God's hand of blessing on these two young men, but the blessing doesn't stop with them. It flows through them. So it's not just God blessing, God's blessing delivered to them. It's God's blessings delivered to others through them. And so we know that our God doesn't just have good ideas and try things. He He's, he's very intentional about the way that he does does things and so he he knows all things he is the alpha the omega the beginning and the end and so um, God clearly put these things together in order not only for good to Joseph not only for good to Daniel but also for good to his people for good to the Egyptians for good to the Babylonians for the good of the Medes and Persians even I mean God blessed people who were not his people through his people. And I think that that is a great character trait of our God. And I think it's very instructive for us today. Again, as we live out our faith, it ought to be that we are those people who trust and follow Jesus, who receive and dwell in the blessing of God, but it can't stop there. The world around us ought to be better because of what God does in us and through us. And so I think that's a very important theme. The other thing that we see is that neither one of these fellows had an easy journey. Uh, you look at Joseph's life. He's thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery. And the only reason he's sold into slavery and not killed is because Reuben speaks up. I think that's why they named the sandwich after him. <laughs> ha ha, that's my joke for the day. Um, but he he goes to Potiphar's house, and and everywhere he goes, he rises to the top. He is he is like the cream that rises to the top every time. Rises to the top of Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. Joseph says no, and she accuses him of rape, essentially attempted attempted sexual assault, and he's thrown into the prison. So what does he do? He rises to the top of the prison, and so many things happen. But he rises eventually to the second in command of all of Egypt, which arguably is the most powerful position on the planet at that time. And God is blessing him, and God is blessing Egypt and Israel through him. And that's how the Israelites got to Egypt in the first place. 
You look at Daniel, taken as an exile from Jerusalem. He's taken from the city where God said, there shall my name dwell. He's taken to a pagan land under a pagan king. He's tested these many times. He stands firm. He keeps having to prove himself in front of new kings. Notice you had um, you had Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. then you had Belshazzar. Mm-hmm. Now we have Darius, and next is Cyrus. And he keeps having to prove himself in front of all of these kings. And that's, that's what struck me, and I said it Sunday, was... Kings come and go, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you need a little help in the logic behind, should I serve God or the king? Well, kings can change pretty quickly. So Nebuchadnezzar, and we skipped Daniel chapter 5, unless you came to Vespers this past Sunday night, in which you got that. So there's a little plug for Vespers. Um, That's where we kind of can fill in some gaps, and it's a whole lot of fun to do that. Plus, you get to pick the music. So come to Vespers. Um but we see that, 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 that God is constantly working in Daniel, and Daniel is constantly having to say, look, I'll be your best citizen up to a point. And that point is when you call me to defy my God. I'm not going to do it. So I'll, I'll do everything you want me to do. I will be amazing for you until what you're asking me to do goes against what my God has decreed. I will serve him over and above you every single time, no matter the consequence. And so that's what we see Daniel doing. And I think it's instructive for us to recognize that the journey of trusting and following Jesus is not always going to be easy. You know, this this prosperity gospel that has taken hold of so much of the world Uh, It sells really well in America. You know, give your life to Jesus and you'll be healthy and you'll be wealthy and you'll never have any problems and everything will be great. And that'll be the evidence that the Holy Spirit's in your life. The problem with that is that I don't think you could convince literally anybody in the Bible that that is true, up to and including Jesus himself. Jesus is the epitome of spirit-filled man. He is 100% God and 100% man, and he struggled. He was described as a man of sorrows and familiar with grief. And so if Jesus suffered, if Jesus struggled, what should we expect? And I'm going to tell you the fallout from this prosperity message that, that is gobbled up by so many people because it sells well. The fallout is when the hard things still happen. And I've met with so many people over the years who come to my office and say, I sent the TV preacher my seed faith offering and it it still didn't work. Well, that's because God didn't ever say in his word, send some TV preacher your seed faith offering so that he can buy a private jet because he's too good to fly a coach. I mean, come on now. It's it's really, really hard. And so we get back to the faith. And, and Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, Daniel can resonate with that. Joseph can resonate with that. I also mentioned David. He can resonate with that. Solomon can resonate with that. All of these characters who are not Jesus are just like us insofar that they're sinful. Jesus was not sinful and yet still faced suffering in a sin-fallen world. And so we've got to realize that that's going to be part of the case. And, and the fact that we're going through struggles and hard times doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Joseph went through incredible hard times. Daniel went through incredibly hard times. God didn't abandon them. 
in any of those hard times. God brought them through those hard times, and uh, and it resulted in the praise of His glory. It did. And as I was listening to you telling the story of Daniel, it I kept reading it in a eschatological way, which mm-hmm. maybe is tying into what you're talking about with the prosperity gospel, because the I guess the prosperity reading would be well, like if you believe in God, then you're going to get you know reward here soon. Sure. But really, w- would you say that the better reading would be that actually in this world, in this age, you know, before the return of Messiah, we're going to suffer, and the rewards, you know, ultimately going to come after that. Oh, uh, unequivocally, yes. And I would say this that you know Jesus said repeatedly, even in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to go look at this, it's Matthew chapter 6 is exactly where this comes. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness to be seen by others, for if you do, then you will have received your reward in full. So there is the the truth that there is reward in the afterlife for those who trust and follow Jesus, that there are degrees of reward for the ways in which we steward what God has entrusted to our care. And so... Um, Jesus said, if you give, for example, you give alms and you tell everybody about it, well, enjoy that because that's what you get. But he said, no, when you give, don't let one hand know what the other one's doing. In other words, let your giving be in secret between you and God. And then your father who sees in secret will reward you when you pray. Don't stand and make a big show of it to show how holy you are because you pray in King James English or you pray in ultra contemporary language or something like that. You know, don't don't make your prayer a show. He said, because then you will have received your reward in full. I hope you enjoy the applause you get because that's what you get um, when you fast. Don't make yourself look gloomy and announce to the world that you're fasting so that they can say, wow, you're so spiritual. Because if you do, that's your reward. So Jesus is very straightforward. Don't don't practice your righteousness in front of others so that they can see and say, wow, you're so spiritual. If you do, that's what you get. So enjoy it now. Um, And in the social media age, it's like, you know, people who post, oh, look what I've done. I'm so good. Well, I hope the likes that you get are fulfilling to your soul. The dopamine hit is enough because that's what you're going to get. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. Do the good deeds that you do in secret without sounding a trumpet before you so that all people may see. Your Father in heaven sees all that, and he will take care of you. So it's not that God doesn't bless us materially here. Sometimes he does. Um, but it's also not that that God's... Uh, apparent absence of material blessing means that God is not blessing someone. God blesses us in so many different ways. You know, Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head, he said. And so um, sometimes God entrusts people with great resources and calls them to steward them well. Sometimes God entrusts people with different types of resources that are not material, but calls them to steward them well. And so what each of us is called to do is to steward well what God has given to us. You know, Jesus told the story of the parable of the talents. And uh, what's interesting to me is everybody got something. The the five-talent guy got five talents. The two-talent guy got two talents. The one-talent guy got one talent. And the call was the same. The five-talent guy wasn't better than any of the others. The one-talent guy wasn't worse than any of the others. They were called to be faithful stewards of that which had been entrusted to their care. So whether you get five talents or whether you get one talent or two talents, whatever it may be, 
our call is universally to invest those things for God's glory in the kingdom of God and to steward them well. That will be how we're judged, not how much did we start with, but what have we done with what God has entrusted to our care? And did we try to build our own kingdom with it? Or did we seek to contribute to God's kingdom with it? I think that's a very important question. When we think about our material wealth, the things that God has given us, and we're, we're in the United States of America. I mean, you know, compared to the rest of the world, if you own a car, the, the statistic I read, it's been a few years ago now, but if you own a car, not even a nice car, just a car, that puts you in the top 10% of wealth in the world. So... So if you think about that, on a global scale, we are all loaded, okay? God has entrusted much to our care. What do we do with it? Are we seeking to build our kingdoms? Are we seeking to, to spend it on our pleasure? Or are we seeking to contribute to God's kingdom with that which he has entrusted to our care? So, yeah, the, the pervasiveness of the, the prosperity gospel is really, it's disheartening. It, it makes sense. It's easy. It's an easy sell. Um, you know, it's, it's, you're telling me all I got to do is pray this prayer and then everything will be great. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. So, you know, that's, that's why discipleship is so important. That's why reading our Bible is so important. That's why being a part of a local church is so important, so that we can't be, we can't be hoodwinked by people who um, are trying to make a buck off of Jesus. And uh, I, I kind of go on this little diatribe, if you will, because as a preacher who's on TV, um, I don't, I don't think every TV preacher is bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't ever want to give people a false gospel because the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians that if anyone preaches a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, then let them be anathema. In other words, let them be condemned to hell. Um, I do not ever want to preach a gospel contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would argue that the prosperity gospel of, you know, pray a prayer and, and you'll be healthy and wealthy and wise and never have any problems is contrary to the entire teaching of Scripture. It's just not in there. Um, so just just be careful with that, I would say. So that'll take us into today's listener question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. So, Jeff. Why did Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get new names in Babylon? I mean, even even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the new names, right? But we we know them by these names. Why why are there the multiple names going on here? Well, so that is a really really insightful question. And in the Hebrew language, names and words have a lot more meaning than they tend to have in the English language. In fact, when I was in the Holy Land. Uh, our guide, Ze'ev, when he introduced himself to me, uh, and he's he's wonderful. He's going to be our guide again in 2024. Um, he said, my name is Ze'ev. It means wolf. So like the meaning corresponds to everything. And, and one of the things he told me, we were just having a conversation as we were going from one place to another one day. He said, you know, in English, you lose so much of the meaning because you miss the, the, the depth of the power of the names. So uh, if you have a study Bible, this is where this helps. And so I'm going to read to you the note from the ESV study Bible, which, by the way, is my favorite study Bible, the ESV study Bible. I use it 
daily. I mean, literally every day I will consult the ESV study Bible about something. So this is the note on Daniel chapter one, verses five through seven from the ESV study Bible. Quote, Nebuchadnezzar sought to assimilate the exiles into Babylonian culture by obliterating their religious and cultural identity and creating dependence upon the royal court. For this reason, the exiles were given names linked with Babylonian deities in place of Israelite names linked with their God. And then, so the note goes on to explain the names uh, in Hebrew, the Israelite names, and the names in uh, the Babylonian names that were given to them. So Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is what God is. And Azariah means Yahweh is a helper. Their names were changed then to names that invoked the help of Babylonian gods, Marduk, Bel, and Nebo. So Daniel was changed to Belteshazzar, which means, O lady, wife of the god Bel, protect the king. Shadrach means, I am very very fearful of God or command of Aku, the moon god. Meshach means, I am of little account or who is like Aku. And Abednego means servant of the shining one, or the god Nebo. It says they were schooled in the language and mythological literature of the Babylonians, and their food was assigned from the king's table, reminding them constantly of the source of their daily bread. So here's the idea. You know, and the same thing happened to Joseph when he was sent to Egypt. He was given a new name. Um, so what is the name? Well, it is the marker of identity. And so what are they trying to do? They're trying to change the very nature of their identity. So no longer is my name affiliated with Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, now my name is affiliated with these Babylonian gods. And so, again, it's it's kind of like... You go into the army and you get your head shaved and you get the same clothes as everybody else and there's this this sense of assimilation into a new system. You are not who you used to be anymore kind of a thing so that we can teach you how to do what we need you to do. And what they're doing from a religious perspective here is trying to strip them of their former way of life, their former identity, and say, no, this is who you are now. Your identity is rooted in Babylon. Your identity is rooted not with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but rather with the God of the, the gods of the Babylonians. So that's why they got new names. It was very intentional. And uh, often in Scripture, when you see new names come or new names given, sometimes God even gives new names, um, there's a whole lot of meaning associated with that. If you don't have a study Bible, you can often look down into the footnotes of your Bible as you're reading it, and sometimes that will help you. And I'm flipping back right now to see. No, there's nothing uh, on these guys' names in Daniel chapter 1 in my ESV Bible, um, but sometimes you can see, oh, the name Benjamin, for example, means son of my right hand, whereas Ben-Onai means son of my suffering. Suffering. So, um, yeah, it's look down in the footnotes, look down in the notes of your good, trustworthy study Bible, and that will help you with those things. But what a great question from such a thoughtful listener. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought out that they're, it, it's similar but different when God gives people new names. So, uh, you know, 
let's just take Abraham for example. You know, God renames Abram to Abraham. That's right. Adds a adds a hey in there, uh, which could be taken as like adding one of the letters from his name, or like you know, God is with Abraham now, like even within his name. Yeah. You know, even when we speak the name of Abraham, we're speaking about you know God and His servant. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, there's always just so much more beyond the surface when you you dig into it. Just even you know why these guys have these other crazy names. Yeah. You know, and why they have another name beyond the name that their mamas gave them. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, and it's it's really cool. Uh, and what God is teaching us is that our identity is rooted in Him. And what a powerful lesson. Absolutely. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that we would find the very essence of who we are in you. That we would look first to what you say about us. And that we would listen to your voice of truth as we seek to live out the faith once we're all delivered to the saints. Help us, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Help us to trust and follow you in every single moment that we live. And Lord, as you bless us, may those around us experience your blessing through us. We ask these things trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editor is Chad Walden.